0: We're actually in a culture now that we accept gambling. Just recently, the Supreme Court last summer overturned sports gambling only in Nevada. As of February of this year, there are now 20 states who have legalized it. We don't see it as a problem in our culture.
1: You're listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast where experts share experiences and the latest thinking on mental health and psychology. Here's your host, Gabe Howard. Hey, everyone. I'm your host, Gabe Howard, and I want to thank our sponsor, BetterHelp. You can grab a week free by visiting BetterHelp.com slash Psych Calling into the show today, we have Allison Henning, LCSW, LCAS. Ms. Henning's belief of utilizing programs that integrate family, individual, and and community to create a strong foundation for a sustained recovery in addiction and or mental health is vital to her success. She comes to us from MindPath Care Centers, which is committed to providing the highest quality and most comprehensive outpatient mind care to help folks navigate life's challenges. Ms. Henning, welcome to the show.
0: Good morning. Thank you. I'm honored to be here.
1: Well, I am excited that you are here because today we are going to be talking about gambling addiction. And I want to share a couple of quick bits of information with our listeners. First, I enjoy gambling and I do so two to three times a year and generally when visiting with my mom. My mom also enjoys gambling, but she generally goes about one to two times a month. Now, I only bring this up because my entire family loves to tease my mother, and we call her a gambling addict. Now, we understand that she is not, but in preparing for this show, it it occurred to me that I don't have the foggiest idea how to tell if someone does have a gambling problem outside of your more extreme examples, like if they literally lose their home. Now, Ms. Henning, can you tell our listeners what criteria professionals look for to diagnose gambling addiction? Absolutely.
0: And that's a good point that you bring up, Gabe, because that would be more classified as recreational. There is that social component. It starts out that way. You know, I'm hanging out with my friends. My mom and I might buy lottery tickets for each other's birthday. When that starts to spiral, the professionals mostly look for, has that turned into increased time? Are they spending more money? Have we changed the structure of, well, let's just do this for a birthday and do $10. Now we're doing it every month for $20. How do I start to feel? So if someone tells me, you know, I've been lying. And like you said, let's do your reference to the loss of a home. So there's that. Finances start to change inexplicably and we don't acknowledge it.
1: What would be like step one? Like, I I hate to use my mom as an example because I know she's listening to this right now thinking, why does my name keep coming up? But what would we look for? Would it be if she lied to my dad about going? Would it be if she got fired from her job because she was going? I I know that if she bet the house and lost it, then we would all know for sure. But what are like the little things? Is, Is it just that $20 lottery ticket or is it more subtle or less subtle? There are some subtle changes. There can be.
0: That's absolutely correct. Look for, is there isolation? Are they withdrawn? Are they hiding activities? And here's a good one. Have I neglected my obligations? Am I still getting food on the table for my family? Am I still cutting the grass every other week? You know, what are my obligations and have I started to neglect those? Am I irritable? Am I restless? Is anything in jeopardy? Are my relationships starting to change? how am I doing at work?
1: It sounds like one of the key component is prioritizing gambling over other things, things that really should be more important, family, job, self-care, things like that. If you start giving too much time or priority to a hobby, that hobby can become an addiction and, and specifically for this podcast, we're talking about the the hobby of gambling and that's when it turns a quarter. Is that sort of uh, step one?
0: Yes. So when the fund leaves and the problems enter, when the socialization of it disappears and now it's no longer something that we do in a social arena with our friends or with our family, we step away from that and now we do it on our own
1: what is that mechanism that makes somebody a quote-unquote addict? Does the body literally become dependent on the need to gamble?
0: Yes, Gay, that's 100%. It is non-substance related, but it's the exact same process. It's a physiological process that the brain goes through. Experts and all the scientists refer to it as a pleasure principle. It doesn't matter if it's from a psychoactive drug, monetary reward, any other encounters like food, satisfying meal, there's a release of that dopamine. And that dopamine floods, and all of this is tied with pleasure. And the neuroscientists refer to that as the pleasure principle, because in that system is our reward system. So our thought and our memory, if we're gambling and all of a sudden we have this flood of, of excitement and pleasure, that stays in our brain. So it's reactivated in that part of the brain, regardless, even if we're not a good gambler and that we lose all the time, it still stays in there.
1: It sort of sounds like a runner's high, right? Like runners always describe they're, they're running and they get this, whether it's endorphins, dopamine, there's some process that when they run enough, they feel really good. And they're chasing that quote runner's high. Is that an equivalent? Is there a gambler's high that they're chasing that they're waiting to kick in? That's exactly what I was going to bring up next.
0: They call it chasing the win or chasing the losses. Even if we have all these negative effects from our gambling, we still have to chase it. So yeah, it's exactly the same. So now we're getting a double whammy, the dopamine and the endorphins now that is also reward related and all of that's getting activated when we're gambling.
1: Now, obviously, what we don't see as a problem is the the recreational gambling. I mean, for example, I believe every state has a lottery. and if not every state does, i I believe most of them do. And that's gambling, right? Whether it's a dollar scratch off or a, a dollar mega millions, you're wagering our culture, our society, well, we just like gambling. We like gambling a lot. But I think that all of us don't like it when people lose their jobs, cars, families, and homes because they're gambling so much. So is it fair to say that our society does still see problem gambling, even if they don't necessarily think that gambling in and of itself is a problem? Well, those factors definitely determine problem gambling. But then you go back to,
0: is this a moral problem? Why did you choose? To lose your car or your home, why did you choose to lose your family? Well, again, you
1: didn't. You have this, your brain helped you to do that. It's a very interesting thing that you said there that people believe that it's a choice. It sounds like you're saying that it's not a choice. Is becoming a, a gambling addict or a, a problem gambler, is it not a choice? Is it just something that happens to us? Do we have any control whatsoever? No, it's
0: not a choice. It is something that does just happen to us. And when we get back to what happens when we activate that pleasure principle, right back to your running example, you know, that's what gets us up to keep running every day. That's why we do marathons. Let's look at the people that have had knee surgery and they continue to run despite Maybe the orthopedist says, maybe we should back off of these marathons, Gabe, and start walking. You go to a marathon, and you look at people's knees, and you see scars from the surgery. No difference. And the accessibility is another problem. When you were talking about the states that don't have government-funded lotteries, Alabama, Alaska, Hawaii, Mississippi, Nevada, and Utah. I have to move to one of those in order to not have this constant urge or need because there's that chase
1: and of course, what's interesting about Mississippi is that gambling is legal in Mississippi i along the Mississippi River, and i I only know that because that's where my mom's casino ah, is <laughs> right so even even the states that that put up some barriers, it, one of them at least doesn't have all barriers.
0: The operative word there, that's not government funded.
1: Interesting, good point.
0: I mean, we do things other back to the social component. You know, think about fundraising. People will do mock casinos to raise money for charities.
1: Or like I always joke, Chuck E. Cheese is just gambling for children because you play all these games of chance and skill to win tickets for prizes. So it really is everywhere. Which in, I guess from my perspective, makes it that much more difficult to notice if you are having a problem or your loved one is having a problem and probably to know what to do. And we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I know managing my mental health and a busy recording schedule seemed impossible Until I found BetterHelp Online Therapy. They can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 48 hours. Just visit betterhelp.com slash psychcentral to save 10% and get a week free. That's betterhelp.com slash psychcentral. Join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. And we're back discussing gambling addiction with Allison Henning from MindPath Care Centers. Let's say, Ms. Henning, that that I come to you and I say, I accept that I am a problem gambler. I have a problem. Help me. What do you do? Therapy
0: is always helpful when it's become problematic. I want to back up, though, a little bit about what you said, the approach. I think the approach is most important. Because regardless of the manifestations, regardless of how I can justify and say it's legal, so is purchasing alcohol, but that I'll find well, because it is true, but how do I approach, and there is an acronym, love, listen, understand, and validate. You have to be supportive and concerned about the manner in which the problems have started. The biggest key, do not ignore it. So, if you think in terms of the I statements, I think everyone's familiar with an I statement. You know, I notice you're spending more time on betting apps, or I see you're becoming more stressed, a little more anxious when you play and lose, which is all a sign of problematic gambling. Or I'm worried that betting has created some stress and worry. So I think there it's more about the approach and allowing that person to have time to maybe process what's being seen and give them the space to say, oh, my gosh, yeah, my credit card's maxed out. Do I have enough for rent, for mortgage? Did I skip lunch this week? Having the space to acknowledge it, thinking about it, that's the understanding part.
1: And then once you do acknowledge it and you go and get help, what's what happens?
0: There are resources when you get help. A lot of that, the mutual aid, so those are all 12 steps, like NA or AA. The first real process when you come in, if you seek help, there's the assessment. You know, what are we looking for here? Are we looking for the behavior that's caused the distress? What are the real markers? What do we rely on? What's happened financially? Is there the obsession, the persistent thoughts? And then how do we plan for that? What do we do now to address? Because we can't take someone's finances away from them. So create a real structured plan that addresses the goals. I'm talking about structured to from 9 to 9:30. Here's what I'm involved in. From 10 to 11, here's the next thing that I have to do and stay addressed and obviously stay away from the scratch offs, the places that provide that which is even harder as those increase. But build that into, well, what can I do in place of this? How can I make a more informed and positive decision? It's not even so much about having a formal education. It's more about educating yourself. You know how they say knowledge is power. That is very true.
1: Is cold turkey the only solution to problem gambling, meaning you just you just don't gamble anymore? Or is it possible to go from problem gambling to, quote unquote, slowing down and becoming a, I don't want to say a safe gambler, but a, I guess a non-problem gambler would be the, the right words.
0: That's a good question, because even in substance
1: use, drugs and alcohol,
0: there's a, a term that the professionals use that's called harm reduction. And it's like, well, can I get back to the social component that I used before? Can I stop making this an obsession? Can I get back to where I was at work and still maybe go out and go to Buffalo Wild Wings and watch a game and, and say, okay, I'm only going to bet on one game? Because it's also in our vernacular. You know, Gabe, I bet you can't figure that out. Or I would not bet on that. Very true. I believe there are some people that have that ability, but I also have seen that no one is able to do anything completely by themselves or alone. A support system is more valuable than we realize.
1: And that support system doesn't just include our friends and family, but that support system includes uh, getting help right whether it be like a gamblers anonymous group or a peer support group or meeting with somebody like you there, there's not just a single path to recovery or prevention there is probably an element of whatever works for you right and just to clarify from from earlier i don't believe that there's a medication for gambling addiction is that true
0: not that i know of i will say this there could be one by the time we hang up I know none of my current patients or clients are having medicated treatment for for gambling it is all like you said you know there's formal and the informal supports mutual aid friends actually I have some that even get involved when we're talking about hobbies earlier there's music and theater where they can become interactive so again I just want to emphasize back to the socialization part. So if we use that, if that's how we socialize was through gambling or with gambling, then what do we do to socialize now?
1: It is fair, of course, to point out that that things co-occur. For example, I live with bipolar disorder. And when I was in a manic state, I abused drugs and alcohol and uh, uh, I, well, I just, I just had all kinds of problems, as people who are suffering from the symptoms of untreated bipolar disorder do. Once I was treated for bipolar disorder, which did include medication, some of those things naturally fell away because I didn't have the, the manic thoughts, the grandiose thoughts, etc. I imagine that co-occurring disorders play a role in gambling addiction as well. It, it doesn't just exist all by itself.
0: That is 100% accurate, Gabe. I would like to see a casino where someone is sitting there that does not have an alcoholic beverage. I would also like to see a casino that doesn't offer you alcohol for free. That's a business plan. That's a business model that they created. So, yes. And just off the top of my head with the patients and the clients I work with, I'm not thinking of one that is strictly gambling. So yeah, there's always something else that can occur.
1: That is very interesting. And of course, it's it's also important to say that research is always ongoing and things change rapidly. But for all of our listeners who are thinking to themselves, I'm really worried about my spouse, my friend, my brother, my sister, what advice do you have for them to help their loved ones see or consider whether or not they have a problem? Because again, I, I just imagine sticking your finger in their face and saying, you're an addict is, is never going to work.
0: No, you're right. <laughs> That's never going to work. I want to go back to the acronym of to love, to listen, to understand, and to validate. With the loved one, talk about your own experience of how the other person's gambling is affecting you. Ask that other person for their perspective. Give them that space to think about what their actions have been and what their behaviors have been. Give them time to tell their story and listen without arguing. Put the finger down, you know, get that finger out of their face when you're listening. Don't argue. That will definitely shut down the conversation. Reassure them that there is help that you do care, and that you want to be there to help. You know, there's shame there. There's uncomfort. There's the guilt, the judgment, the stigma.
1: Ms. Henning, thank you so much for being here. And I want to give our listeners the National Counseling on Problem Gambling Helpline. It's a national number in the U.S. It's 1-800-522-4700. Again, that number is 1-800-522-4700. If you or a loved one has a gambling issue, please give that number a call. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow the show wherever you downloaded this podcast. It's absolutely free. Also, take a moment to write us a review. Words matter. Review us. We love it. My name is Gabe Howard, and I am the author of Mental Illnesses as and Asshole and Other Observations, and I'm also a nationally recognized public speaker. I think it would be cool for us to hang out in person at your next event. You can grab a signed copy of my book or learn more about me over at GabeHoward.com. I'll see everybody next Thursday on Inside Mental Health. Hey, everyone. Real quick before we conclude, we want to thank you for listening to the Inside Mental Health podcast. This is your host, Gabe Howard, and I need a big favor. I would love for you to complete a short survey about the podcast, and then you'll be entered into a drawing for a chance to win a $50 Amazon gift card. We've heard from a handful of you, and we are so appreciative of the support, but we'd like to hear from more of you. Please go to psychcentral.com survey40 to complete it now before the deadline on October 8th, so time is of the essence. Again, that's psychcentral.com survey40. Void were prohibited by law, and thank you so much. You've been listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast from Healthline Media. Have a topic or guest suggestion? Email us at show at psychcentral.com. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show or on your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening.